Well, as I said, we are in the book of Philippians. And um, as a church, we've been walking through the New Testament. We're kind of going through this uh, reading plan. It's called the 412 reading plan. It's just a a daily reading plan that we um, as Connection Church are kind of doing together. Um, And so if you um, don't have one of those out in the um, atrium, there's actually a little stand that has the 412 reading plan on it. And you can pick one of those up. And it's just, again, a daily reading. Um, You can also find that on our website or on our app. And um, it's just a great way to stay in the work together and whatever we are reading in the reading plan, that's kind of what we are, we'll be preaching through um, on Sunday mornings. And so um, for those of you that are um, taking part in this reading plan, you know that this past week we've been in the book of Philippians. And so you kind of got a little bit of a head start um, this past week going through this. And normally we kind of try to look through um, the different um, sections that we're reading through and kind of pick out something that we want to expand on on a Sunday morning. And for, for this particular Sunday, we felt like Um, Philippians 3 would be a good section to be able to focus in on. And all week I've been kind of um, digging in on Philippians 3 and and trying to figure out what the Lord wanted for us. And I just, I didn't have a piece on it. I couldn't settle in my heart what we needed to talk about. And so I want to do something a little bit different where I kind of want to pull out um, some different sections of Philippians as a whole. And so kind of looking at um, not just Philippians 3, but a little bit more of Philippians as, as a whole. And I think that's going to give us a much um, broader understanding of what Paul was trying to share with the Philippians. And so um, what I think would be cool is I kind of want us to put ourselves in the shoes of the Philippian church at this time. And so that it would be the same thing for us if we were receiving a letter from them. And so um, think about it this way. So what's going on at this time is basically Paul um, has been spreading um, the gospel across all these different places. He's been going into these different communities and he's been um, planning churches. Philippi was the first place in Europe that he planted this church. And it's been about 10 years since he shared the gospel in Philippi. And so I think about that even with us as Connection Church, it's been about 10 years since we started this church. And so it would be as if the person that, that presented the gospel to us came back and, and said, look, I want to come back and I want to encourage you again. I want to share with you again. So Paul's kind of checking back in with the church in Philippi. Now, Paul at this time, Paul's in prison. And so the book of Philippians, it's very much an encouraging book. Um, Often there's other letters that Paul wrote that weren't as encouraging, a little bit more of Paul kind of um, speaking some some hard truths. Philippians is much more encouraging. And it's crazy to think about how encouraging Philippians is, how much Paul's talking about rejoicing, how much Paul is just um, encouraged by their faith when Paul's sitting there in prison. Paul is probably shackled up as he's writing these words. And so it's just crazy to think about that Paul has this type of mindset. But the reason he has this mindset is that right as he's writing this, he's just received an offer. He's just received a gift from the people of Philippi. They have sent something back to him um, to care for him during this time. And so Paul's reminded of this church. He's reminded of these people and he's got just an overwhelming love for them. And he just, he sees that they've now met his need in his kind of almost darkest hour. And so it's just this incredible moment. And he's just so thankful for them. And so he wants to write to them, not only to thank them for their gift, but also to encourage them as well. And you got to imagine during this day, communication was not something that can happen near as quickly as it can today. You know, for us, 
We can communicate to each other like this with our phones or through the internet. We can, we can talk to each other so quickly. For them, it would be long stretches of time before they could talk with one another. And so when this, this church received a letter from Paul, it probably stopped everything they were doing. They probably got everyone together in a room like this and they said, look, we just got a letter from Paul. He, this guy that shared the gospel with us, that pointed us and showed us that faith in Christ is what allows us to have salvation. This person that opened our eyes to all of this, he's written us again and, and, he's in, and we know that he's in prison. And so we wanna hear from him. We wanna see what's going on. That's the picture of what's going on here. And so as we read this today and we take this in, I want us to put ourselves in those shoes. What would it be like to have received a letter like that? Trying our best to, to set aside what it's like for us to communicate, knowing how easy it is to communicate. Think about not having that privilege and you've just received this letter. And so I really want us to think about it. Think about that perspective. Think about what's going on that Paul is realizing he might not live through this. He might be, be put to death through this. And so he's processing that a little bit um, through the, this, this whole thing. The, the Philippians, they're being persecuted a little bit. It's not a popular thing to be a Christian. So, so they're experiencing some of this too. And so all of this stuff's going on and they're trying to battle through. They're trying to, to walk in all of this. And we see this incredible partnership that Paul and this Philippian church had in their pursuit of trying to advance the gospel. All right. So in chapter um, one, verse three, Paul opens up and he says this. He says, excuse me. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I love what Paul is saying here because Paul does this in many of his letters where he talks about how thankful he is for other people. He talks about how often he prays for other people. And I think about in my own life, does that challenge me in my own faith? Does that challenge me to think about how often am I thanking God for the other people in my life? How often am I praying for these other people in my life? But Paul, right out the gate, he wants to encourage them is that he realizes it's probably been a tough 10 years, right? It's probably been a tough 10 years where they're experiencing persecution. They're experiencing all these things. There's probably some doubt in their minds of, is, is this thing going to finish well? Is this going to work out for us? And so Paul, right here in the beginning says that, look, he who began a good work in you, he's going to carry it on to completion. He wants to encourage them right out the gate even in the midst of maybe some of their doubt that God's not done with them. And so how encouraging must have that been for this Philippian church to be able to hear these words from Paul to almost kind of give them that booster, give them that, that boost of energy of it's not over, it's not done. God's still wanting to do something in you. And so that had to give them some encouragement. As he continues, he talks about and he expresses later on into this chapter about how the reality is he is in prison now. But he, he says, look, the reality is that me being in prison, this has actually served to advance the gospel. This is not a bad thing because he says this in verse 14. He says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Here's what's crazy about what's going on right now. Excuse me, I'm sorry. So these people, instead of um, allowing fear, instead of allowing 
persecution and allowing all these things to stop them, them seeing Paul go to prison actually motivated them and actually gave them confidence. It's almost one of those things where it said, look, if Paul was willing to go to prison for his faith, he's willing to, to fight, he's willing to do whatever it takes, then we ought to do the same. And so what happens is they, it almost gives them that much more confidence. And that seems backward because it seems like if you see these consequences, if you see what's happening, part of you would, would think, well, maybe I shouldn't do this because there's fear in me of I don't want something to happen to me. I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to be put to death. But instead, it does the exact opposite. It gives the believers in Philippi confidence. And I love the word that it uses there, especially in the NIV, where it says that word dare, that it says that they would dare to share the gospel. They would dare to advance the gospel. And I think about that, that word dare when, you know, when I was growing up and a lot of times, you know, many of you, you, know, you remember being dared to do something growing up, especially when you were double dog dared to do something, right? When you were double dog dared to do something, there was no option whether you were going to do that thing or not, right? Because it's like, I mean, it's like a pinky sword. You can't break it. Double dog dare. You have to do it, right? And so whether that's jumping off of a cliff or it's asking out this girl, or maybe it's doing the gallon challenge in college and where you have to drink a gallon of milk and see if you can get it down within an hour. Not that anybody would do that because that's really stupid and it would really be silly to ever do that. Not like anybody would ever be dared to do something like that, right? Right. I'm glad we're on the same page with that, right? But like we, when we get dared to do things, there's something in us that says, I've got to do that, right? For me in college, it was that same thing. It didn't work out well for me. Anyways, so when you're dared to do something, the reason so often people end up doing it is because there is a glimmer of hope. Of if this works out, it's going to be incredible. But for a dare, it's either going to work or it's going to fail miserably, right? There's not really any in between. But the reason people so often go through with a dare is because there is this glimmer of hope. If this works, it's going to be incredible. If this works, it's going to be the greatest moment of my life. If this works, man, people are going to talk about this for years to come. This is the perspective that the believers have in sharing the gospel because they're saying, look, if we do this, it might not work out, but if we do this, there's a chance the gospel might advance. There's a chance that somebody might come to know Jesus, which means that's worth it all. I don't care what happens. I don't care what happens to me, what happens to us. If there's a chance, if there's an opportunity, if there's a, a glimmer of hope that somebody might be able to come to know Jesus, if the gospel might be able to advance, I'm willing to do it. And I'm like, man, what would it be like to have that type of faith, right? To dare to do whatever it takes to advance the gospel. And so Paul, he's encouraged by them. He's seen what they're doing. And it's almost like this mutual encouragement where Paul is encouraged by them because he's seen their willingness to do whatever it takes. And they're encouraged by him because they see that he's willing to do whatever it takes. And we see that Paul, he, he describes this and he talks about later on in chapter one, where he says, look, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he's saying in that, he's saying, look, if I live, if I continue in this life, it's going to give me more opportunities to be able to advance the gospel. So that's good news. If I die, then that means I get to go be with Jesus. That's good news. It's a win-win situation for Paul. He has this mindset, this way of looking at this stuff, and it appears that the people of Philippi, they have this same mindset too, where it says, look, it doesn't matter what happens because it's going to be a win-win for us. Whether we share the gospel or whether we get to go be with Jesus, it's going to be good. And we see this, this 
this incredible mindset, this incredible view that they have on the world because it's such an internal view. Their, their mindset is so fixated on the gospel, so fixated on the cross that it just changes how they live their lives. And I thought about, man, how do you get to that type of mindset? How, how do you live that out? And what we see as we continue into Philippians, we get to chapter two and it, it describes more of this mindset. It describes more of what it looks like to live this way. So in chapter two, Paul says this. He says, therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And he goes on to talk about what this mindset is. He says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's a lot, a lot packed in there. And, and there's sermons out there that press in to sections of the scripture. And so there's so much in there. And I look at all of that and I'm like, man, having that type of mindset, having the mindset of Christ where it's not about us and it's always about other people and not looking into our own interests so often. And it's tough to live that way, isn't it? Right? Because it's so easy to become selfish. It's so easy to, to allow it to become about us. And whenever I read that and whenever I think about the call as Christians we have is to have the same mindset as Christ, Oftentimes that becomes overwhelming to me. Oftentimes I end up being burdened by that. I end up feeling the weight of that because I feel like, man, I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to be able to do that because Christ, he was, he was perfect, right? And I'm supposed to have the same mindset of, of him. I'm supposed to do things exactly like him. Like, how am I ever going to do that? And it's like when I read that, while I'm encouraged by it and while I'm challenged by it, like, it almost weighs me down because I'm like, I just don't think I will ever be able to do that. And I think Paul understood this and he knew that there's a chance that people might think the same thing. And so Paul says something right after this that gives some clarification. He says the word therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you should pause and think about something he just talked about. He's about to speak into that. And so when he says, therefore, he says, look, in light of what I just said, in light of what I just talked about, about having the mindset of Christ, about living our lives without um, our own interest in mind, that, that's a tough thing to do. So in light of that, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God 
who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, this process of salvation, this process of becoming more like Christ, it is exactly that. It is a process. You have to work out your salvation. It doesn't just happen. Like your salvation it is a moment in time, but you becoming like Christ, that is a continued journey. And that, that happens day in and day out. It's a process where you begin working out that salvation. You begin working on that. But see, here's the thing. So often we think that's on us. We think we just have to try hard enough. We have to just do better. I was talking with our, our connect group and we were talking about so often, that's what we end up talking about in our group. We're like, man, I just need to do better at doing this. I need to do better at doing that. And it makes it all about what we can do. But that's not what scripture says because in verse 13, it says, for it is God. It doesn't say for it is John or it is for it is you. It just says for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, to fulfill all of these things he talked about in the beginning of chapter two. It is God working in and through us that allows that to take place. The burden is not on us. The burden on us is just to continue pursuing Jesus. Through that, we become, we begin to have that mindset of Christ because it is God working that in and through us. So immediately that burden comes back off of us. And we realize, again, this is why Philippians is so encouraging. It's because Paul, he's wanting them to understand this. He's wanting them to see, guys, look at what Jesus is doing for you. Look at how this is happening. And I want you to know this is a continual process and it's going to take time. Oftentimes, I don't like things that take a long time. Like I want things to be now. I want things to be, to happen immediately. I, I struggle with things that take a long time, but our faith, that's exactly it. It takes time for us to continue to become like Christ. And man, when we process that, when we think about that, how encouraging truly is that to our faith? Then we get to chapter three and we see Paul begins this, this chapter and he says, further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. I love reading that particular passage because oftentimes, especially even this message, I was thinking about, man, I don't feel like there's anything I'm going to talk about today that nobody's ever heard before. I think many of us, we've probably heard this stuff before. So I'm like, what's the point of seeing it again? And I think even the Lord used even this verse to remind me of this is that of how important it is for us to be reminded of the gospel, how important it is for us to be reminded of what Christ did for me and that it wasn't anything of ourselves. That's the reason I think it's important for us to come and to, to be consistent in us coming here and gathering together and hearing God's word preach because we need that constant reminder. We need it as a safeguard. There's a, there's a reason it's important to continue to read God's word consistently. Well, that's why we come up with things like reading plans. There's a reason why it's good to be consistent in our, um, in our connect groups and our small groups, to, to be consistent in our, in our prayer times, not because those things are what we check off the list, not because those things are what make us good Christians, not because those things are requirements for salvation is because those things are safeguards in our lives that when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus, 
what comes along with that is us implementing certain things in our lives that are going to be safeguards, going to be reminders, and that are going to bring us back to the gospel. We constantly need to be, be able to come back to the gospel. And Paul realized this same thing. He's going, look, I want to remind you these, of these things, and it is no trouble for me to do so. Every single time we come in here, a lot of us, we are talking about similar things, but it's because we need those reminders because we get into our week and we get busy and, we, and the world throws all these different things at us and we forget the simple truth of the gospel. We forget our identity. We forget who we are in Christ. And we need to be reminded of these things. And so again, Paul's realizing that he's saying, look, I'm gonna continue to remind you, Philippi, of these things over and over again. And it's no trouble for me to do so. Well, then we kind of see a shift in Paul's tone. And what scholars believe was going on right now is, is as Paul was writing this letter, they think he might have gotten notified about a certain situation that was going on in that particular community at this time. And what he found out was that there was a group of Judaizers that were basically telling the Christians at this time that you still needed to be circumcised. What they were trying to say is they were like, faith in Jesus still has to be paired with something else. And Paul, he's hearing this and he's going, where, where y'all are missing it? Because the thing is, is that when Jesus came, he came to do something entirely new. The Judaizers during this time, they were wanting to take that but still add it with what they had grown up believing at all times. Paul had the best ability to speak into this because he was the biggest Judaizer that there ever was. And so what Paul does is in the beginning of chapter three, Paul almost lays out his resume to say, look, I'm gonna speak into this and here's why I have the ability to speak into this. Because the reality is that in my faith and in, in in who I am and the things that I've done, he, he's like, I am a Hebrew of Hebrew. I'm, the, um, I'm born of the right tribe. I do the right things. I follow the law. I, um, I enforce the law. I've, I've done all these things. Paul did all these things growing up. He did all of the things that you were supposed to do as a Jewish person. In fact, he was the best at it. He would have been regarded as somebody that got it right. And so of any person that you could look at their life and look at the, the merit of their life and determine whether they deserve salvation, Paul would have been the type of person that would have deserved that. And so when he realized this was going on, he's walked that same path before. He's gone down the road of saying, it's all about what we can do. It's all about what we can earn, about how we can clean ourselves up enough. We can do all these different things. Paul went down the road of exploring that. And then what happened is he met Jesus and he realized that all of that had been done away with. And so when he realizes that there's still people that are saying that you have to do something in order to earn your salvation outside of faith in Jesus, it kind of fires Paul up and he's saying, no, don't miss this. Don't fall into this. Don't allow, the, and he refers to people as dogs. Don't allow these dogs to take you down a path where it's anything but faith in Jesus. I've done that. And now I look at this and he says this in verse seven, he says, but whatever were gains to me, whatever I had acquired in my knowledge, in my ability, in my upbringing, in my heritage, in my, and any of these things, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Listen, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, 
but that which is from faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He's saying, look, I don't want anything to do with faith that requires me to be able to do something. It is only about faith alone. I walked that path and I'm telling you, it is not that. And I now consider this loss. I consider any way of thinking, I consider any of the things that we can attain, that we can acquire, all of that is garbage. Different translations translate that differently. Some translate that as rubbish. Some translate that, the King James literally translated it as dung, right? Poop, right? Not, that's the, the word that Paul uses. He's so extreme with his description. He's saying, that's how much I'm disgusted by this. this is, that's how much I don't want anything to do with that way of thinking because our, the, the belief that it's solely about our faith in Christ is so important for us, that it's not about what we can do. It's not about what we can earn. He wants that understood so well that he refers to anything other than that as garbage. He is so focused. He has such a one-track mind on the importance of knowing Jesus in these moments. And I thought about, um, I've got a, a two-year-old daughter. And for those of you that um, have had toddlers or have had kids and you go through this stage, you realize that when they get their minds fixated on something, there's not much you can do about it, right? So when my daughter wants a cookie or what she wants Play-Doh or she wants to um, paint or whatever else, like nothing else matters in that moment, right? Now, and if I even give her the wrong color Play-Doh, even though that was her favorite Play-Doh color yesterday, it's not her favorite Play-Doh color today and she loses her mind if I don't give that to her. And I realized that she considers everything a loss outside of what we're talking about right now. And I, what I realized is that, man, that's almost the mindset we should have. We should be so focused in to almost have the mindset that, the, that a toddler has. I wonder if that's what Christ is talking about when he talks about having the faith of a, of a child. Maybe it's just the, the focus of a child to where they're so focused in on that one thing that nothing else matters. And it doesn't mean that that thing doesn't matter to them at any other point in their life because there's so many things in our lives that are important to us that, that we're involved with. And I realize that even as Paul is saying this, he's not saying that none of that stuff ever matters but he's saying, compared to knowing Christ, compared to growing in that relationship with Christ, it doesn't even compare. There's no even correlation with this. And again, I think about that, and I think about having that type of one-track mind, that type of focus in on the gospel, that type of focus in on our understanding of who Jesus is, and I'm like, man, I'm such a long way from that. I feel like to have that type of focus and not allow all the things of the world, not allow all the different circumstances that are going on in my life, not allowing all the different things that um, I have allowed to, to give myself identity or allowed myself to give me purpose, to allow all those things to be set aside, to be so focused on the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, like how tough that is. And I'm like, am I ever gonna get to that point? Yet again, I, Paul, I believe, knew what people were thinking in this he says in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I realized, even as Paul said, I consider all these things lost. I consider them garbage. I think in moments, 
He absolutely believed that, but he also recognized he wasn't perfect in it. He realized some days were easier than others with that. Some days it was easier to set aside all the things of this earth. Sometimes it was easier to do that. And so he even acknowledged, look, I'm not there yet. But he's telling the Philippians that, look, continue pressing forward and you have to strain towards this. And this is not going to be an easy process. Continue moving forward. Continue taking steps. Continue trying to isolate the things of this world for the things of Christ. And he's telling them, look, it's going to take time and it's taking time for me. And I'm still on the journey myself. Sometimes I think we look at Paul and we, we elevate him and think that he was perfect. He's not. And he admits that. Even though there's times that he lays out you know, pretty blatant statements, he then follows it up and says, yeah, but I'm still working on this. I'm still not perfect at this. I know this is what I need to do. And I know this is my belief at the end of the day, but it's not always perfect. And I almost feel like, man, it's, it's encouraging to hear that, isn't it? Like to be able to, because again, when I think about Paul, I'm like, man, oh my gosh, Paul, the apostle Paul, he did all this stuff. He wrote so much in the New Testament, but yet to see, man, he's, he's walking this out just like we are. How encouraging must have that been to the Philippians? Because they're, they're probably thinking, man, we're still struggling in all this stuff. And I'm almost embarrassed that Paul's having to write us, but to see like, oh wait, we're in this process together. And this is, this is a journey. And this is something we're walking through. It, again, it had to be so encouraging to this church to realize, man, we're partners in this. We're walking in this together. And even Paul is struggling in this, but man, we can continue to take more steps. We can continue to be mutually encouraged by one another. This brings us to chapter four. In chapter four, it has a lot of significance to me in, in my life. Um, chapter four is um, several of the verses in this chapter are, are verses that um, were read at my wedding um, because the, the reason that we did this, we wanted to define um, our family. We wanted to define how we lived our life, how we cared ourselves by what this section of scripture said. In chapter four, verse four, it says this, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now we see the word rejoice in the book of Philippians about eight times. Paul says it over and over and over again. What I realized in my life, and the reason I wanted this to be um, uh, almost a pillar in our life, was that sometimes it's hard for me to rejoice. Sometimes I can get in moods. Sometimes I can allow um, the things of this world just to beat me down and I miss out on the blessings of God. I miss out on all that God's doing around me because I lose sight because of the circumstances that are sometimes going on in my life. And I need to be reminded to rejoice. I need to be reminded to praise God for what he's doing in my life. I love that Paul stops and he says it a second time. You know, because what I think about that is the Bible is a pretty precious thing. Each word, there was such intention in each word. And so for Paul to say, I'm gonna take an extra moment and I'm gonna remind you of this. I'm gonna say this again. I think when we realize that somebody in, in the Bible is repeating themselves, we might wanna tune into that. I realized I needed that to be repeated to me because I would read that and go rejoice. Okay, I, I know I need to do that. And I'd move on to the next thing. But no, Paul stops us and he says, no, 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 no. Let me repeat myself. Don't get ahead of this. Focus in on this. Rejoice. Rejoice. Look for the areas in your life that you can praise God in. Man, what uh, to think about setting our life off of that and allowing that to drive our thoughts, to drive our feelings, to drive our emotions is it's so driven by out of rejoice in what God is doing in our lives. He continues and he says, let your gentleness 
be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I heard those words spoken at my wedding, and I knew that in our lives there would be moments of uncertainty. There would be moments of anxiety. There would be moments where we wouldn't know what the future would hold. And I knew in that moment that I needed to allow these verses to be a staple in our lives. That in those moments of anxiety, that we go to the Lord in prayer. We go to the Lord petitioning the Lord, right? I love the word petition to say, God, I'm coming to you and I'm not leaving until you move. Like I'm pleading with you. I am just begging you to do something. And I realized, man, that's what I want my faith to be. And I think the reason that I've had such a hard time thinking through this message all week long is because I knew that Philippians 3 was what I was supposed to focus in on, but I know Philippians 4 in the back of my head pretty, pretty well, right? I don't know a lot of scripture really well. Philippians 4 is, is pretty, pretty well in there, right? And I know what it says. I know what the words say. And I knew there was a line in Philippians that I was struggling with personally. And it is that line talking about not being anxious about anything. And so here we are last night hanging out as a family. We were over at my brother's house. And we were um, having dinner together. My parents were over there. The kids were playing. We're having a great time. I'm carving pumpkins, jumping on trampolines. It was just a a really nice um, night. It's actually, believe it or not, we're kind of easing into fall and it's October. So here we go, Statesboro, right? So like, it was actually kind of a really nice night and we were just enjoying ourselves. And um, Harper, my daughter, was jumping on the trampoline with her cousin. And so they get off and as we're walking away, um, Natalie kind of looks at Harper and we realize very quickly that she's going into another seizure. As many of you know, she suffers from febrile seizures. And it's something that um, it's caused a lot of anxiety in, in my life. And in that moment, what I realized is that I've got to preach Philippians 3 in the morning. But yet I know Philippians 4 is coming right around the corner. And I know that's what the Bible says. And I know that I'm not called to have anxiety over anything. But how can I preach this chapter all the while knowing that I have incredible anxiety what's going on because I look at the circumstances and I look at what's going on and I have every reason to feel that. And so in this moment, I'm looking at this and I'm going, God, what are you doing? Because I see this fear that's overcoming me day in and day out because the thing is, I don't know when it's gonna happen. We can be hanging out, we can be jumping on trampolines and then out of nowhere, it happens. And I'm going, what is going on? And I'm talking to Natalie last night. And I'm like, I don't know, even know what to preach. And I don't even feel like I can preach because I know what God's word says. And I don't even know if I believe it because I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with having to believe these words because I look at what's happening. I'm just so sick of it. I'm tired. I'm so tired of Satan winning this situation. I'm tired of him using the brokenness of this world, the sin of this world. And he's hurting my daughter and I can't stand it. I'm so 
bit sick of it. I'm ready for it to be done, but I know it can happen at any moment. And all of that is overcoming me. All of that is coming over me. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? How do I get up in front of them and talk with them and encourage them and talk about how Philippians is such an encouraging book of the Bible when I'm struggling so desperately in my faith because I can't get over this. I can't get over this anxiety. And as I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about how this was supposed to be the pillar of my family and I'm struggling even doing that. What I think about is Philippians 3 where Paul says, it is no trouble for me to write you the same things again and it's gonna be a safeguard for you. I'm not always there with the anxiety. I'm not always there with the circumstances that go on in my life, but I know this. It says that in these situations with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. The peace doesn't stop the anxiety. The peace doesn't stop the circumstances. The peace, the peace that comes over you, it's a guard for you. So in the midst of your circumstance, the peace is the guard against it. It doesn't prevent that. It overcomes all of that. And that's what I realized is that the thing is, is that I'm not there. But the verse that I heard this morning when I woke up was verse 12 of chapter three that says, not that I have already obtained all this. And I realized I haven't quite obtained verse six in chapter four. And it's gonna be a journey. Um, it's, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever fully get beyond it, but I do know this. I do know that one day that God's gonna make everything right again. God's going to restore. God's going to restore my daughter. He's going to restore this earth. One day every tongue and every knee will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so even in the midst of my struggle, even in the midst of circumstances, even in the midst of times that we don't understand what's happening, God is moving in that. And I'm gonna to have to remind myself of that day in, day out. Many of you, you need to remind yourself of that. Many of you, you need to continue to read the book of Philippians because you're gonna need that encouragement. You're gonna need that reminder. You're gonna need that safeguard in your life. Many of you need to realize that it's gonna take time, that we're all on this journey together. Paul finishes these last couple verses and he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or have heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And as I read that, I'm thankful that that is a pillar of my marriage, of my family. It's a constant struggle but just as Paul encouraged the Philippians to, to do those things, to live out those things, I encourage us to do that very same thing. Having the focus of considering everything else a loss, having the focus to, to realize that the gospel and the advancement of the gospel is greater than any other thing is a very tough process to live out because this world is a busy world. We have an enemy that wants to, um, he wants to destroy us. He wants to take us out. He wants to 
wanted to allow this message not to be what it needed to be. But we have a God that's greater than that, that's bigger than that. And, and the, the Apostle Paul wanted to encourage the Philippians not to give up. I want to encourage you not to give up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, Lindsay's going to come out. I want us to sing through these lines of what a beautiful name a couple more times. But I want you to sit today. I want, if you need to close your eyes, close your eyes. In order to, to consider everything else a loss, we have to intentionally decide that. This morning, I want you to intentionally decide to set aside everything else. For me, I need to set aside what's going on with my daughter right now. And I need to think about the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus despite my circumstances, despite what's going on. I want you to listen to these words, allow God to speak to you, to love you in the midst of your circumstance. As we just listen to this, we're about to get really busy with the rest of our week. Can we take the next couple moments, slow down, hear from the Lord. If you need to be prayed for, you can come up from, there'll be prayer people that can pray for you. I just want us to pause and just sit, just dwell for a couple moments on the goodness of the Lord, on the surpasser, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So let's do that right now. Let's listen, sing if you need to, close your eyes if you need to, kneel if you need to. Let the Lord speak to you here in the next couple moments and then I'll come and close us here in a second.